What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of DFV. Brad, what's going on? Uh, it's another great day. And today, especially since we have some movies that feature some of my favorite comedians mm-hmm. that uh, we're going to go through with Sleepwalk With Me, which is the movie pretty much made by Mike Birbiglia based on one of his biggest kind of, you know, jokes that he has on his whole sleepwalking and everything like that. And then we have one by Joe List and Louis C.K. with Fourth of July. So I'm really looking forward to uh, talking about these ones because when it comes to I, I'm huge on stand up comedy. So whenever mm-hmm. stand up comedians start going toward like the movie space and making their own movies and everything, because we had movies like King of Staten Island, The Big Sick, you know, and along with these two that it it's it's an interesting thing to see how somebody moves their work from being like a stand up comedy bit to a full on kind of movie script. Mm hmm. I can, I can understand that. Yeah. Especially since yeah. I follow these comedians and I hear these kind of different jokes and, you know, these stories that they tell in their stand-up specials and then mm-hmm. see it get made into a movie. Like, the recent one was uh, Burt Kesher and the Machine. Yeah, yeah, I know. You kept talking about that one. Yeah, the thing with uh, Mike Burb... Uh, Mike Burbiglia. Burbiglia. Burbiglia is that uh, I had seen his second film, um, his second film that he directed, Don't Think Twice, with, uh, you know, Keegan-Michael Key, uh, Jillian Jacobs, and, uh, you know, um, is it, the last name is Gerhardt. Is it Seth Gerhardt, or is it... Um, uh, for that one, I'm trying to remember who uh, it was. Chris Ger- Chris Gerhardt. Okay. Uh, yeah, and that was a pretty good movie. It's about improv. Um, I hadn't seen Sleepwalk With Me, but it had been recommended to me because I um because I love uh you know uh his second film Don't Think Twice which I saw at the main art theater by the way great movie but um as far as Louis CK man dude I've seen almost everything Louis CK has done I haven't I hadn't seen his last stand up special yet uh mm. sorry but before that dude Louis on FX uh Horace and Pete which was uh, self-financed on his website and then got sent over to Hulu, was syndicated on Hulu. Uh, dude, I, I've, I've watched all things uh, Louis C.K., man. Uh, so with this film, this was already on my hard drive. I um, bought it when Louis released it on his website, and uh, I had just been waiting for this episode to finally pop it in. Yeah, it's same thing with me. I remember we had discussed this one before, so I still had it kind of sitting in wait to be able to finally sit down and watch it. Not that I was waiting for us to have the episode, but it finally gave me the thing of, oh yeah, you bought that movie when it went up online. You should probably yeah, sit down and finally watch it. Yeah, I got that thing. That, uh, I, I got it a long time ago. I forgot, yeah. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Alright, uh, all right. so we're just uh, ready to get into it now. Um, listen, I know this isn't a joke. We're talking about comedians, but I'm I'm not I'm not cracking a joke here. I really think this works if we do this chronological. I know that's um I I know what you're thinking, but I, I think it could work with this. I you know what, I'm gonna trust your instincts on this one and just let it fly. But uh okay. you know, we'll we'll see how it goes and 
you know, if it doesn't work out well, you know how I feel. All right. I know how you feel. I know how you feel. All right. So first off, we got, uh, you know, Mike Paberglia's uh, sleep, Sleepwalk With Me 2012. So Mike Paberglia is a aspiring comedian. Uh, in, in the film, his name is, uh, I believe, Matt, right? Uh, Matt uh, Pandemiglio, yeah. which is actually a joke on, like, how everybody says his name wrong. <laughs> That's funny. All right. So Matt is an aspiring comedian who, um, you know, he's a bartender. You know, he uh, he he's he has a longtime girlfriend whom he and her aren't really sure if they want to get married or not. They're not sure where this is going. Um, he is is trying to figure out what the, what the next step in his life is going to be. So he he makes um he makes the first step to actually pursue comedy. And then he also realizes he has a REM behavior disorder which causes him to sleepwalk. And uh, it just talks about how, you know, he makes the transition from, uh, you know, aspiring comedian to comedian, you know, him and his girlfriend, their relationship and those, and those ebbs and flows and, uh, and how he um, wrestles with everything. And that in, that in a nutshell is sleepwalk with me. It, yeah. It basically follows a time period when, he was getting so stressed out in his life at the beginning of his comedy career and trying to find his footing in where his career would be while also mm-hmm. trying to figure out where he wanted to be in his relationship. And it, it's one of those things like this was a comedy bit that he had on his stand-up special prior to this. I think mm-hmm. it was from uh, my secret public journal is the comedy special that he first told this story in before it kind of picked up for the movie. And yeah, it basically, because it's literally kind of a telling of events they had, this movie does very well when it comes to holding things down to like a realistic way. Like Mike, you know, he does the narration for the movie the entire time as he's telling this story. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it cuts to him every once in a while of kind of being like, look, just know, you know, I know that this is a bad move. I am also in the future. You know, I'm aware that what happens here is not good. (laughs) You don't do this. I'm aware. (laughs) And other ones where it's like, look, I know that you're on my side because I'm telling the story. So just be aware that you are on my side. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I like that. I um, The thing I like about this movie is that, um, you know, I, I had heard that he also turned this into a one man show, uh, you know, talking about his um, his sleep, uh, his sleepwalk disorder. Mm-hmm. And that led us to inspiration for the film. But I like how. This film has the same producers as uh, NPR's This American Life. I don't know if you listen to that show or or you know what that is, right? I, I know of it, but I don't listen to it. Okay. It has the same kind of quirky feel as that type of show. Um, but it, it's more suited to, you know, Mike Baberglia's, um, I would say, I would say, you know, comedy style. Um, but I like how he, there are sections in between the film where he's literally talking to the audience and it doesn't come off like a, you know, when you're watching some of those old, um, was it? Would I say '90s? I say one of those old 2000 comedies where the main character looks at the audience like, "And you won't believe what happened next." It was more relaxed, like he's talking to a like he's talking to a guy just listening to one of his stories. You know yeah. what I mean? 
I, I mean, the entire time that he's narrating, every time it goes cuts to him, he's just driving in a car. So yeah. the entire time he's narrating, it kind of just plays off like he's talking to somebody sitting in his car with him as he's going well here's what happened here and look look i know this doesn't sound great but this is what happened i'm not Mm going to sugarcoat it just be aware i'm aware of how bad this is now you know Mm -hmm. i have grown since this point and so it doesn't come off as like oh look how kooky we are breaking the fourth wall it's kind of his way of like talking to the audience and being like look I know that I don't come off the best in some of these, you know, scenes and part of this story. I'm aware of that. I've grown since it, you know, let's, but I'm not going to cut those out because those are things that happened. I like how when he opens for Mark Marin, Mark appears as a character named Mark Moharin. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like I love all these characters, uh, him and Mark, you know, they, they got different names based on their real life names. And um, I like how when Mark talks to him after the show, after his opening, he goes, uh, he goes, wow, hey, good job. He goes, oh, it was good? No, but, you know, good, good job for, like, you know, standing up and at least doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, you know, good job for at least giving it a try. Right. I also love how when his character, like, recommends him for, like, other things, like, oh, so he, like, liked my stand-up? Well, he said that you'd be a good, you know, shield to take the bullets from the crowd for the other comedians. <laughs> right, right, right. A bulletproof vest. Right. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, I like the relationship between him and his uh and his girlfriend Abby. I feel like they got. I feel like um I like the way Lauren Ambrose plays Abby, and I like their mm-hmm. their chemistry together. Well, uh, I guess they're. They're not so much chemistry because, um, you know, you could tell this relationship is on the rocks. They don't know what this is. You know, they keep saying, oh, you're my guy. You're my girl. But it's like every time they see someone else who is married or they see someone else with a kid, they just don't know how to react to that because they don't even know if that's what they want for with each other. Yeah. Yeah. I love the one line that's told it near the end when he's kind of talking to the audience and going, before making this movie, I actually went and talked with Abby and obviously I, you know, called her first. I didn't just show up at her house like, hey, give me answers. But right, right. he like asked her, like, why during all of these events and everything did she just not break up with him? And her response was she didn't want to hurt his feelings. And throughout the entire movie, that's the tone that he's giving is he was just doing all these things because even though he knew that she wasn't right for him, he didn't want to hurt her feelings. And he has the line, we almost got married, had a family and continued being with each other specifically because, you know, it wasn't because we both loved each other unconditionally or we were meant for each other is because the other didn't want to hurt the other's feelings. And it's like, that is such a, poignant thing of like so many relationships that you see where it's like why are you together i don't just i don't want to be the person that breaks it up yeah that's wild ain't it Mm -hmm. like imagine being like like when i really thought about that i said wow that's crazy like like you're being with somebody because you don't want to hurt their feelings but yeah yeah that's 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 pretty that's pretty strange 
Yeah, it's uh, and basically the entire movie is following that kind of thing of just he is stressed because of the relationship because he doesn't want to hurt Abby. He's stressed because his career is not going exactly as he wanted, but he's also getting these opportunities. He's just not working out. And I love when he finally starts adding a little bit of personal kind of anecdotes to his stand up bits and routines, because that's when it starts becoming, Oh, this person's relatable. And that's the kind of humor that Mike Birbiglia does best. He's not mm. a very big on one-liners or anything like that. A lot of his jokes come from telling stories, but telling them in such a way that it's entertaining, you know, such as this story of him dealing with getting into the stand-up industry and everything with his girlfriend and everything with his sleepwalking and his, you know, sleep patterns and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, and yeah. I also love how like you have just other comedians just thrown in here all over the place. Uh, Wyatt Snack is in here. John Lutz. Mm-hmm. You have Christian Schalt, which the lip sync competition. I loved that entire sequence as that very like cringy, like, oh, I don't like anything about this where she's even going on to like, you know, this used to be popular. We had a whole 19 entries last year, and this year we only have two. If you don't want to do it, we don't have to do this anymore. <laughs> As she's talking to a crowd of, yeah. like, nine people <laughs> in the audience. Mm-hmm. And I love how just prior to that, she's telling uh, Matt, you know, hey, just so you know, we accidentally double booked you for this lip syncing thing. So you can like host that and tell your jokes in between if you want. But it's really popular. It's it's a big thing around here. You know, everybody loves it. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I got to say, um, yeah, the lip sync thing was pretty funny. It was funny to watch. Um, yeah, like uh, overall, uh, yeah, you have some pretty good moments here. Now, I, I don't think this is. Now, I guess that depends if you're like really a fan of of Mike's comedy. Um, I don't know if I call this a strong comedy. I say it's a nice dramedy leaned heavily on comedy. It's definitely more of a drama, especially when it's tone and everything like that. And a lot of the comedy comes from like the absurdity of some of the situations, but Mm -hmm. they're still realistic absurdities. You know, as he's like dealing with going through all these events and basically you have one of the comedians. It's like, yeah, I basically was invited to this party to do my stand up there. And then turns out the it was at this dude's house and it was just him and his buddy. And it wasn't really a stand up show. It was kind of just talking loudly at two people <laughs> for an hour, <laughs> you know? And I love those kind of things because it's like, that's, that's real. That's what a lot of comedians kind of go through is they have these terrible gigs that they get signed up for, but it's $50 and it's another chance to get their name out there. So they take that opportunity even to the point that, you know, when he's going through the story and his car breaks down and he starts using his parents' credit card in order to get places because he's not making enough money at these gigs to continue going to the gigs you know, it, it brings that like realism of like, this isn't the life for everybody. It's it's not an easy one to get into. The industry's oversaturated. And mm. in order to break out in it is 
extremely difficult and takes a lot of work. Right, right. Yeah, I, I agree. Like it's 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 uh it's crazy. Um, you know, overall, this is a this is a you know, I I think this is a good movie. Um, it didn't blow me away, but I thought it was a pretty nice, sweet, independent dramedy. I give this a uh, I give it a straight three. Uh, I I give this one a four. I think the comedy oh, wow. is on point. I absolutely love everybody that's in this movie as well. The kind of cringy humor that it has at points is great. Mm-hmm. The I think the writing is really good because even if you take away the fact that it's like based on a true story and Mike Birbiglia is kind of narrating it the entire time, it it stands up as a pretty good drama story as well. You know, mm-hmm. Even the parts with the relationship, his career, you know, everything like that, because it just works out very well to me. And the blend with him, like narrating in, cutting and interluding in works very well. I, I like this movie a lot. I, I think it's one of those uh, good examples of like when a comedian gets to turn their kind of premise and bit into a movie and it actually fulfills being a movie instead of just a very long joke. Hmm. Okay. All right. I, I hear what you're saying here. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I thought it was cool for what it was. It, it didn't, it didn't grab me like it did you, but I, I could see how it affected you in that way. All right. Uh, all right. Time to move on. That brings us to our second movie today. Fourth uh, of July. This time directed by Louis C.K. and directed and written by Joe List, or written by Louis C.K. and Joe List, as well as mm-hmm. starring Joe List as the titular character of Jeff, who is an everyday comedian who has left his family to pursue a career in comedy in New York City. But every year he goes back to his family during the 4th of July in order to spend the weekend with them, where everybody in his family gathers together to have that celebration. This time, though, Jeff has decided that he wants to finally talk with his family and basically explain the trauma that he had experienced growing up, as well as everything that he's kind of learned about himself since being able to step away from his family and see a therapist played by Louis C.K., And in doing so, he goes to the event, finally kind of gets the chance to talk to his family. And the entire movie is basically him dealing with his family in this conversation and how they take it and how he takes their reaction to it and everything like that. It's a very dysfunctional family drama at its core with some comedy aspects kind of sprinkled in there. Mm hmm. And that's that's the bare bones of this movie. But it, we can when it comes to this one, I'm curious what you thought, because you're not. Have you seen Joe List's comedy before? Dude, I didn't even know who this man was. OK, before Louis before Louis C.K. said, hey, I'm making a making a movie with this guy named Joe List. I said, who's he? <laughs> I, I didn't know. I don't know who he was. OK, yeah. So Joe List is another. A fairly prominent comedian and he has 
basically this movie follows a lot of his kind of stand-up routines and everything Mm -hmm. where it's about you know family emotion uh he's has a lot of things based on like woke culture and you know politics and everything like that and you can kind of see that floating in with this movie with his family and everything with the way that they talk to each other and to people that come into the group as well because we have the one girl Naomi who is not a part of the family but has been brought to the event in order to kind of be able to get a weekend away Mm -hmm. and the way that they kind of treat her and everything I think this is basically where this movie's strong point is is probably with the dialogue and the jokes because at its bare bones it's a dysfunctional family movie you know it doesn't tread any new ground it doesn't do anything completely out there that's like oh we've never seen this before but where this one stands out i think is definitely with the dialogue where it feels a little bit more grounded it doesn't kind of make it all oh everything that's my problem is because of you he he accepts who he is a little bit but He's at the same time just going, hey, I just want you guys to know this is how I feel. Instead of it being like, hey, you guys screwed me up. This is all your fault. Mm. Everything's your fault, which a lot of the dysfunctional family movies always kind of do, where it's like, I'm not at blame. You're at blame. And this one's a lot more grounded in that aspect. Right. Yeah. 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 You could say that. Definitely. Um. This was a uh, this was a, this was a, this was a strange one, because when it comes to Louis C.K. Now I'm, I'm a Louis C.K. fan. You know, mostly what I love about Louis C.K. is his comedy, mm-hmm. uh, his dark sense of humor, um, and I, I love what he does with episodic television. Like if you if you've seen Louis, Lucky Louis, Horace and Pete, Baskets, Better Things. Like you, the, the shows that he's 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 involved with, you you can see the the irreverent comedic genius of him. Yeah. When it comes to films, Pooty Tang, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Tomorrow Night, which was an old old independent film that's on his website that he made way back in the day. Uh, I love you, Daddy, with Chloe Moretz, John Malkovich. He he's he's touch and go with movies, mm-hmm. like with with feature films. With this one. It was interesting because when it started, I know nothing about Joe List. So I said, I'll give this guy a chance. He's doing something with Louie. I, I like Robert Kelly. You know, he collaborates with Robert Kelly a, a lot. Uh, so I was giving it a chance. And I was like, I'm just, I I like this guy. He's making me laugh. But I, like the moment he arrived at the party with his family, I was like, okay, is this is this going to be the whole movie? Like, cause it, it it meanders a lot, and I understand it's like it's about family. But here's what I understood. Now, here's where this film really grabbed me. I don't know how it is with your family, but sometimes when you show up to certain functions and occasions, your uncle or whoever will call you a name or reference an incident that's very embarrassing to you, and they try to make it seem cute. It's like, no, that's not cute. That shit's embarrassing. Don't oh, don't yeah. mention that. Every family you know, has that. <laughs> My uh, when I when I introduce my uh now wife then girlfriend to my uh to my uncle, you know uh, 
to to this to him, he's old school, so he thinks this is a compliment. He was like, "Let me tell you something, girl. If I was dating you instead of my nephew, I'd give you a run for your money." Now, my my wife is like creeped out a little bit, like like eyes wide, uh, staring at my uncle and looking at me. And in my mind, I think it's normal because it's just my uncle, and I'm like, "Oh, he's he, that's a compliment. He's just saying you're gorgeous. That that's just says, him, yeah. right?" He says, "Yeah, but your uncle just flirted with me." And I thought about it in the back of my mind. I'm like, yeah, he just, yeah, he kind of did, didn't he? <laughs> like, 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 you know, but it's like, it's like when you think about family and, and stuff they do to embarrass you, it's like we're on the outside looking in, looking at Joe List family and how, you know, kind of abusive they are. But when you think about your family, not saying everyone's family is abusive, but there are parts of your family that's like, oh, you know, when I go to the real world, the real world doesn't, isn't like you, right? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Every family has those inside jokes that outside of that circle, it comes off as like very harsh or rude or sometimes just very random. And it's just like, what was that about? It's like it it's too long of a story. I We don't have enough time <laughs> to go through that. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I like uh I like how Joe like in like there are inside jokes that even we find funny. Like I like when Joe meets his um his uncle who's pretty much his same age mm-hmm. and uh they crack these jokes and if you just pass these dudes on the street, you'd be looking at them strange, but you could tell they got like a like a like a brotherly bond, like yeah. as they as they crack these jokes um with each He's other. like the only person that Jeff actually has a connection with. Exactly. I'm like that with my cousin. She she's like a sister to me. You know, we we got inside jokes between each other. So at that point, that's when the film started to resonate with me. Like, oh, I get it now. It's about you can't check out on your family. Because up until that point, I didn't really care about the whole girlfriend storyline and you know, I want to get pregnant. And you know, like I was like, this is kind of coming out of left field. Mm-hmm. Like, like it kind of got introduced at the last at the tail end of the end of act one and i was like okay it's kind of out of nowhere but you know i didn't care about i like louis ck but i didn't even care about the therapist part i felt like let me get to what the heart of what this film is about so when he actually shows up at the event that's when the film kind of hooked me as it as it showed his dynamics within his family like i like how there's this one shot i love how he's at the piano after his uncle plays a little too hard the uh the other uncle the the racist one uh plays a little too hard um when they're uh playing volleyball he's just playing piano and everyone's in the background you can barely hear them he's just in his own world just playing piano until finally he just goes on an fu rant towards everybody Mm -hmm. uh even towards his own mama and his own and his dad and everyone goes hey hey that's your mom that's that's where we crossed the line it's like you guys caught him all kind of pencil dick and all types of stuff when he showed up like like, come on. Yeah, basically the entire time ragging on him for going to uh, or going sober, how he moved to New York City and, you know, it, throwing slurs out mm. left and right about, you know, oh, man, I can't believe that you went back to New York. And, you know, they're definitely changing you out there. You know, you're not as hard as you were back here. And, you know, right, they're making right. you one of those so soft out there and. You know, everybody's ragging on him that's in the family. But it's from their point of view, it's light ragging from his point of view. He's in this place where he's like, I got to talk to my parents about 
these things that I've discovered about myself and everything like that. And mm-hmm. everybody's ragging on him and everything for moving away. And he's just thinking, man, I am so glad that I moved away from this. This is just such a toxic place. I got to say, um, all the actors in here are pretty great, but mm. I, I sincerely like Robert Walsh, who plays the dad, because he says so much with his face. Yeah. Like, um, he 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 really plays this role well. Like, this is what you call a great understated role. Like, you know, as, as Joe is going, as Jeff, he's Jeff in the movie, as Jeff is going off and, you know, saying like, F you, F you, you see the look on, on dad's face. Even when he's in the bedroom with mom and he he's like, uh, he's like, um, I think I kind of let that kid down. Like, you know, I, like I don't like you, you see him try to wrestle the words. Mm-hmm. If you, not not any actor could play this role like like this right here, because mm-hmm. it's like the way he stumbles over his words. Like, I don't I don't know. I think I let the kid down. Okay. And then mom, you know, she's like, well, well, who do you blame then? You blame me. And, you know, it's just uh, I, I like the way he played that role. Oh, yeah. Well, even before that, when, you know, after he talks with his parents and goes, look, I feel like you guys, we didn't have a functional, loving family kind of vibe going on where Mm -hmm. we never said I love you. We never hugged or anything. And his mom's like, what, you need a hug? I'll give you a hug here. Here's a hug. Now get out of my kitchen. And you can tell that it kind of resonates with his dad a little bit because his dad's mm-hmm. thinking on it. And then later when they're like on the porch and his mom brings out, Oh, Jeff says that, uh, we don't love him enough and you know, we're not good enough parents for him and everything like that. And it's such like a gaslighting move to yeah, pull absolutely. it in that way. And then his dad just kind of chimes in and goes, look, I love you. And you know that the same way that I know my dad loved me. And it's like one of those things where it's like it's that fatherly love that you don't have to say, like from that kind of time period where it's like, I know it, but nobody says it because we already know it. And, you know, saying right. that is not how you do it. Yeah, yeah. And, and it says a lot that Jeff is um in Alcoholics Anonymous, too, right? Yes. Because everyone's just throwing back the beer like it's candy, you know, like they're throwing back the liquor like it's candy. And at the whole time, he's just like on the straight and narrow, trying not to cross that line. And you could kind of tell these are the people that made him drink. Like, you know, um, yeah, you can't check out on family yet, no matter how outrageous they can be. Mm-hmm. But uh, I really like the scene at the table where, you know, his mom is kind of chewing him out because I I see both sides. I I see Jeff being angry at his mama. I see I see him going off on his mama. I see why, but I also see the mom going, you know, what you didn't think we loved you. You know, we're not perfect, but we're you know, I'm still your mama. You can't just say f me. Yeah. You know what I'm you, saying? You can't like, come yo. to the one family function. You visit us a year and be like, look, you were terrible parents. You can't blindside me like that. Right. And this film is complex because I, I see both sides. I see mm-hmm. where Je- I see where Jeff's coming from and I see where his mom is coming from. And I like how when they're talking, you know, he tries to say something. He's like, he's like, says, ah, I'm putting you on warrant, Buster. Like, <laughs> and you can say it. You can tell in her way. That's her saying, like, hey, don't say another word because I'm already pissed off. 
Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and everyone's hanging off the side. Just time, Oh, yeah. If people are, like, coming down the stairs, they, like, start right. to go in the kitchen. They just turn around and start walking away. And right, right. I also love, like, just before that, he's talking with uh, Naomi. And he's just eating breakfast. And she's like, wow, so that was something last night. You think anybody remembers? Because, you know, everybody was pretty drunk. I don't I don't think anybody remembers. And you start seeing people like coming downstairs and they see him at the table. They just turn around and walk out. You know, the one kid comes downstairs and, uh, you know, yeah. his mom goes, no, 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 come on to the patio, sweetheart. It's you're out here. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. Even when uh, his parents finally come in and like sit down and start talking, like Naomi starts to get up and you just see, you know, uh, Jeff's hand move, like grabbing her and just like, don't you dare leave me alone right now. (laughs) I know you're not a part of this, but I can't deal with this right now alone. I love how Naomi is like the audience surrogate the whole time. Just looking at all this chaos. (laughs) I like what I like what she's sitting out on the porch with them. And uh, uh, who who was Nick DiPaolo's character? Uncle Kevin goes, uh, "Hey, she's cool. She could she could take the humor. Hey, you want to hear a joke?" Oh no. yeah, <laughs> yeah. He said something hey. like mildly racist. It was like, right. ah, yeah, she's one of the good ones. She could take a joke. Hey, you want to hear a joke, sweetheart? She's like, no, no, I don't. No. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, thought that was pretty funny. Um, I gotta say though, I, I want to talk about Bobby. Who um, is uh, Jeff's uh, spon- sponsoree? Uh, sponsee for Alcoholics Anonymous. Anonymous. Sponsee. Yeah. I love how they just don't get along well in the beginning. And uh, Bobby's just so wary of him. And uh, he's, like, he's like, hey, um, could, could you not tell me the slogans you find on uh, bumper plates? <laughs> uh, you know, he says, and Jeff kind of goes, yeah, I mean, yeah, you will find them there, but they work. You know, like uh, they're inspirational. I like how when he's at his house uh, and Jeff's girlfriend oh, shows yeah. up, he just stands up like, we weren't doing anything. We weren't doing it. I got to go. And I love how he puts his arm around him and then Bobby, Bobby just tries to knock it off. That was a funny scene. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Robert Kelly is great at physical humor. So mm-hmm. much like it, the fact that literally as the door opens, he just stands right up. We weren't doing anything <laughs> like what? What right. was in your head as to what her response to just somebody else being there was going to be? And right, then right. later when he comes like shows up in the same town as him and he's like, hey, what are the odds? Yeah. Yeah. What what are the odds? Uh, <laughs> Bobby, what are you doing here? <laughs> Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, yeah, I I love the tender moments. Like I like how this film, um, when he comes home with the pizza, right? With uh, comes back with Naomi. I like mm-hmm. how when he comes with the pizza, the mom kind of comes in. She goes, "Got pizza for Fourth of July?" He goes, "Well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's just, just, just. You can tell it's a peace offering, right? Yeah. For what he said, and you know, the mom looks at it. She goes." All right, I'll uh, get the place together. No, I like it was, uh, did you remember pepperoni for your dad? Of course I remembered to get pepperoni for dad. You know, and yeah, and whatever the other pizza, I can't remember what the last flavor was. Uh, it was cheese, pepperoni, and, and some other weird flavor that yeah. I think Naomi got or something. Uh, but, uh, no, it was what uh, he got, I assume, for his mom. 
which was the weird whatever kind she liked. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, but I like how the dad comes in and sees got pepperoni. And he goes pepperoni, good, good. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like it's it's a piece out. You could tell this is him apologizing to them in their mm-hmm. in their own way. Yeah, and in his way, that's him going. I accept your peace offering. It's just pepperoni. Good, good. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, yeah, man. I I like how the film. It doesn't give you the typical happy ending. I mean, things are resolved. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, he talks with his girl, who's like, "Man, I don't even know if we can have a kid." The doctor told me it's not possible, and you know, it, it, then he goes, "Well, you know, who cares? We could probably still happen anyway." Like, you know. She's like, oh, you're not mad? He's like, no, I'm not mad. Like, you know, it'll, it'll happen if it happens. I like how they just leave it off there, and he goes out to have uh, dinner with the rest. Uh, he goes out to have, you know, 4th of July, you know, uh, pizza with the rest of his family. I thought that was a nice place to kind of end it. Right. Yeah, it's a very, like, just, you know, no frills kind of ending. You know, it, he had the discussion. They each talked with each other. They kind of both had their go at each other when it came to their words and they came to not exactly the peaceful resolution but they came to the family resolution of look it's fourth of july we're a family still things were said feelings are hurt but let's let's sit down and still enjoy this day as a family Mm -hmm. yeah it, it, it pretty much that's all you can do when you're with family, I mean, you know, you might you might bust each other, bust each other's balls a little bit, but that's really at the end of the day, it's like, listen, I don't get to see you that much often. This is usually a reserve for Thanksgiving or something, not Fourth of July, mm-hmm. uh, you know. But you know, it's like, listen, I don't get to see you that often. Let's just, you know, let's let's end on a good note. Let's play, you know, and families like mine, black families, let's play spades or something, you know, like, come on, yeah, yeah, but. uh when it comes to this one, this is one where I think the humor had a couple good points in it. The Mm -hmm. story was well done. The dialogue is its strong point. And I'd say I give this one a 3.5. Yeah, I'm there. That's exactly where I'm at. This is a strong 3.5 to me. Yep. It, it elevates itself beyond just the, uh, you know, comedian making it like now, now is this whole story based on Joe List routine? Have, have you seen his stand up? I've seen his stand up. Some of it is kind of his stand up. But if this is like one of his bits that he's done something like so he has little things about his family every once in a while. But I don't recall mm-hmm. him having a bit about like a dysfunctional family or like a Fourth of July dinner of any kind or anything like that. Uh, If he does have that bit, I don't recall hearing about it, but at the same time, it does fall in with his humor and everything, like the way that his family reacts and everything like that. So I'm willing to bet there's a little bit of his humor comes from his family, which is where he kind of threw it in here. Gotcha. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, you know, I, it's a strong 3.5 to me. I, I enjoyed this. I, I, uh, I thought it was a well done. Especially for something that was self-financed. It was, it was mm-hmm. well done. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because this uh, one only had a very minimal theater opening. What was it? Uh, two theaters in its opening weekend. Well, it was down here, too. 
I mean, like, uh, well, what do you mean by two? Th- you mean two theaters in Michigan, or no? It, uh, according you- to the box office, the first weekend for the film, it was only in mm-hmm. two theaters, and then it probably had like a more limited release after that. Hmm. Yeah, I saw it down here. I just couldn't go see it on that day, but I, it was down here. Um. But yeah. Uh. Okay. So I guess when it comes down to it, we're split on this one. You, you're more sleepwalk, and I'm more fourth, huh? Yeah, I got to say between the two, I think Sleepwalk with me is just a more compact movie when it comes to all its elements working together. Okay, I got you. I got you. All right. All right. Fair enough. Uh, All right. That's where the cookie crumbles there, folks. Um, You know, head into the after show here. Is there anything you've been watching lately? Uh, Right now? Not really. Just kind of a couple TV shows and everything. Hell of a Boss is a online kind of cartoon that's very reminiscent of Invader Zim that recently had a new episode posted online, which is cool. Nice. There's a there's a couple like anime that are starting to pop up again now that I'm starting to get back into like Mushiko Tensei. But overall, it no major movies this week. I know Indiana Jones just came out. Did you see that one? I did, and I uh, I got a review coming to Eight Bit Waffle soon. Yeah, I did see it. Okay. Uh, what do you want to know? I uh, is it worth going to see? <laughs> all right, all right. Now listen, listen. I'm I'm gonna give you the straight <laughs> deal, okay? I'm I'm gonna give you the, the, the fact that deal. the answer wasn't just a straight yes, and it's a, okay. Hold on. L- listen. L- hear me out here. Hear me out. <laughs> it's it has terrific action. Uh, great casting. Uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge has great chemistry with Harrison Ford. Uh, but I'm gonna be honest with you, man. The movie was too damn long. Really? Like it was too damn long. This movie was two hours and, and thirty minutes. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, are Indiana Jones films usually this long? I don't, I don't remember think them so. being this long. I want to say yeah, the rest crazy. of them are about like an hour forty five, maybe two hours. Yeah, that's that's crazy. That's crazy. That movie was too long, bro. Um, I so the story is good. Mads Milkinson plays a terrific villain. Um, the story is good. It just there's a whole lot of fluff in the movie. Mm. Like that just there's a whole lot that needed to be cut out. Like this move this this whole arc here, this whole chase scene, it's really just taking up time. Like, 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 let's just keep this film simple to a 120 minute movie. But yeah, it was too damn long. Um, James Mangold uh, does a great job taking over the uh, reins from Spielberg. But uh, it was just too long, bro. I mean, it's a good movie. It was it just it just is in need of some um, some trimming. Mm-hmm. OK, yeah. Yeah, because I've heard that it's a good Indiana Jones movie, but if you're not a huge fan of Indiana Jones, there's really not much for you in that movie, which is kind of expectant when you're going into it. It's kind of like saying, like, do you like Star Wars? Eh, okay, well, the next Star Wars might just be eh to you then. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't start with this if you're starting with Indiana Jones. I mean, Raiders of the Lost Ark is your best bet. Oh, yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, no, no. If you're not an Indiana Jones fan, then you probably won't like this. Like like my wife, this is one of the uh, rare screenings she didn't come with me to. Um, I didn't think she was going to like this one. I kind of told her that straight up. 
But uh, it's I, I'd say if you want to see it, go ahead. But like, just prepare for like you know, dude. Films are too long nowadays. Did, didn't didn't you and I used to talk about this? We've talked about it on a number of occasions, especially when we've talked about movies that have recently come out. That it's like that this movie is too long it's you know you don't need to hit two and a half hours very few movies manage to fill that time frame and feel worth it i'm telling you right now i am so grateful that barbie is not going to be a two hour and ten minute epic like they keep it they keeping it realistic they said no no it's just it's just an hour and 54 minutes i'm like okay because i don't want to see Barbie don't need a two hour and ten minute uh, runtime, man. No, it, it just doesn't. But uh, Oppenheimer, okay, sure. Christopher Nolan, true story. It's about the making of the um um you atomic know, the, bomb. Uh, the atomic bomb. Okay, that makes sense. That that resonates to me, you know. But Indiana Jones, two hours and thirty minutes. I was like, man, come on. Yeah. Yeah. It. it but uh, speaking on. Barbie and Oppenheimer. Have you seen the marketing that is going on for those movies right now? No. So for Barbie, uh, first off, they made a Barbie house that you can actually Airbnb out and stay at starting. I I can't remember what day you can start doing. it. I think it's actually when the movie comes out is when that opens up as like an actual Airbnb. You can start renting out for like weekend getaways which is insane and then between the two teams they've been kind of like posting pictures in front of each other's like movie posters and like marketing material oh yeah so you have like the the, cast from yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) which I, i love when kind of that you know two things that are so separated by like theme and everything releasing on the same day are like no no we're, we're going to have fun with this. Everybody that was in Oppenheimer is out like buying, you know, tickets to see Barbie, you know, getting the pictures mm-hmm. with like the marquees and everything or the standees that are at theaters and stuff. And it's like, oh, that's fun. It, it reminds me of when Animal Crossing and Doom were coming out at the same time. And it's like Animal Crossing, this fun little animal <laughs> picnic game where you have your own island and it's cutesy and everything. And then Doom, where you're literally a guy running through hell, killing demons. <laughs> and it, people had a blast with just being like, these two games are coming out at the same time. That's great. <laughs> right, right, right. Who do you think is going to win? Uh, When it comes to box office sales? Yeah. Oh, that's that's actually a tough one. Because Barbie definitely has more of the family appeal to it. Yeah. But Open High is a Chris Nolan film. It's. See, so if we're, if we're going to look at this realistically, right? And I love I love me some Chris Nolan. Yeah. Um, I think I think you might have to give the slight edge to Barbie because that's just universal. There's going to be grown folks going to see that movie. I mean, I'm going to be know. seeing both of them and I'm just as giddy and excited for both of them. Like, that's how much the Barbie like marketing has done so well. <laughs> right. There are guys. Ryan Gosling made a joke. Uh, he said there were grown men coming to him kind of whispering, saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to see Barbie. He's <laughs> like, why are you whispering? Like, you could like let your inner Ken out, man. Yeah. Just announce to the world you're going to see it. It's OK. <laughs> like, like, you know, um, but um. Yeah, I think 
Oppenheimer, Chris Nolan, you know, he he definitely sells tickets. But, you know, when you're looking at Killian Murphy as like his first major big role versus Barbie, you know, Mar- Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling, I got to say, are more household names than Killian Murphy is. Mm-hmm. So when you're selling a movie mainly, mainly based on its director, then its leading star, uh, I think I think Barbie has the slighter edge as to as to probably selling more tickets. Yeah. Plus, when it comes to that, you know, the people that are going to see a Chris Nolan film are always going to see that Chris Nolan film, no matter what. You know, we're Mm -hmm. in that camp. We're always going to go see that Christopher Nolan film, no matter what it is. Not everybody else is in that camp of like, what is it? It's about them making the bomb for World War Two. How is that going to be entertaining? Like people that don't know the Christopher Nolan name hear that premise and go, okay, what else is coming out that weekend? Barbie? Barbie's coming out? Oh, we're going to see Barbie. Right, right, right. Like like some people will go to the theaters that ain't been to the theaters in a long time to go see that movie. Right. So I I think Barbie might get the slight edge, but, you know, only only time will tell. I I don't think it's going to be a slight edge. It's not going to be like it's going to blow it out of the water by like doubling Oppenheimer's numbers, but I think it's going to be enough of a difference that it's like, oh yeah, that's that's kind of what we expect. You know, I I would not be surprised if we saw like a twenty five percent difference between Barbie's numbers and Oppenheimer. Well, we'll see. Um, we got Dead Reckoning Part One coming out. Uh, I'm gonna check that out, but I, I haven't been hearing the most. Uh, you know, uh, flattering things about that movie. It's like it's like from early, early preview screenings. The most thing I, I heard is, uh, yeah, but it's not Fallout. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's the main thing people keep saying. Like it's it's, it's not Fallout. Yeah, which it's another one of those things. I think we've talked on it a little bit. Where it's here's part one of the movie. When's part two coming? Eh, hey, go see part one. God, t- why? <laughs> Why is every movie being split into two parts? Mm. See, now with Fast X, that movie blew me away because when I saw that movie, I said, you know what? Well done. Mm. That was a nice cliffhanger to leave that out on. With this movie, I'm like, I don't know. What what, what kind of situation can you put Ethan Hunt in that he can't? This man, this man literally walks on skyscrapers. Like right. what what kind of situation can you can you leave this off at where it's like to be continued? That's mm-hmm. what I'm thinking. Are they gonna kill his wife or something? Or like you know like what what kind of cliffhanger is enough for me to go? Okay, part two. I'm I'm already in. See, that's the other thing is so many movies feel like when they end and they have another one coming, they have to jump the shark in order to like be like, oh man, I can't believe they did that in this movie. It's I'm starting to get bored with that where it's like, Oh, why'd they do that? It's to shock you. That's the only reason they did it is. So you'd be like, Oh my God. Well, what happens next? Instead of being like, Oh, I want to see what happens next. Mm hmm. Yeah, I definitely, I agree with what you're saying there. I hear what you're saying. Um, yeah, well, I mean, that, that's what it is. Uh, we're going to wait and see, see what happens. Uh, I hope it's a good movie. Christopher McCrary is a pretty good writer. Mm-hmm. So I've been liking a lot of stuff he's been coming out. Well, I don't like every Tom Cruise thing he's been making with him, but I um I like I like a, a few of the stuff that Christopher has done. So we'll see. Uh all right, that's it, folks. Uh it's another great episode of DFV. 
We'll catch you on the next one. Have a happy fourth and uh, take care.